0: So today I wanted to do, I guess, a bit of a mini episode is maybe what you'd call it. Because I think while it's hopeful and very probable that most people listening to this podcast know what vicarious trauma is and know a bit about birth trauma and that kind of thing, there might be a few of you stumbling going, I don't know what you're talking about. What is this thing called vicarious trauma? So this is my little introductory bit I suppose where I'll tell you a bit about vicarious trauma as I understand it and some of the hmm, nomenclature I guess different terminology that gets passed around about traumatic things and how do we sort of figure it all out so that we know what we're talking about knowing that there's differences in um, regional differences in how it's talked about cultural differences all that kind of thing but just so we're as much on the same page as we can be. So I guess the thing is trauma in, in and of itself is a response that is the perception of actual or threatened injury or death. So in this case, to the mum and baby or to yourself. So there's also something called, um, what tends, well, what tends to be called a single trauma versus secondary trauma. So most both workers are going to be dealing with secondary trauma in terms of it being, this is not, I mean, I wish it was, but not a one-off event that you're going to experience and not like you're just walking down the street one day going to work and bam, there's a motor vehicle accident or bam, um, a bridge collapses or, you know, there's a single episode that is potentially quite distressing and traumatic, but then it passes and you have your reaction to it, and then there's you know whatever else happens after that. Secondary trauma is more like, you're seeing traumatic things happen all the time. So first responders, ambulance officers, paramedics, police, forensic staff, birth workers, medical people, health practitioners, anybody who does anything involving helping people opens up the massive risk that you're going to get vicarious trauma. By watching, listening, or directly experiencing something that is traumatic, whether that is to you or whether it's to someone else. So the big thing with trauma really, that I always think is so important to keep in mind is that it's subjective. And I guess as a psychologist working under the DSM-5, so under the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, got it out in one go, good on me. Um, We used to have a lot more flexibility in diagnosing PTSD and, you know, post-traumatic stress responses because it used to allow for things like, say, when Port Arthur happened or more so when September 11 happened. We know from research that people who watched hours and hours and hours of that footage sometimes had post-traumatic stress responses that were very similar to people who directly were involved on some level maybe more directly or indirectly or you know whatever their experience was but now there seemed to be this massive wave um, particularly after September 11 actually of people saying that they had symptoms that were similar to people who had been in you know, traumatic situations, war, combat, natural disasters. And so a cap was put on that last little bit that says, "Mm, actually, you can't necessarily get it from watching footage anymore unless it's directly related to your work. So it's a little bit vague in terms of if you are a documentary maker or maybe you are working in the media in some capacity and you're seeing, Traumatic footage that might count, but I guess what the American Psychiatric Association are attempting to knuckle down on is saying you, as a civilian or otherwise lay person in your home, watching traumatic footage of something and then saying you're having a stress response. Whilst you might be distressed and have a stress response, you are not as likely or you know, I hate using those words like permissible, allow, whatever phraseology that you want to use. But I guess what they're saying is, is that's no longer grounds for having PTSD anymore. So we're in a bit of a quandary in the sense that trauma is always in the eye of the beholder, whether it happened to you, whether you watched it, whether you heard about it, it doesn't really matter. It is so subjective. And that is the main thing to always have in the back of your mind, pondering this. It doesn't matter if you're birthing woman that you supported as a midwife or a doula or an OB or a photographer or whoever you might be seems okay and her family seems okay. Yes, it's important, but your response is equally important. That's the vicarious nature of it because trauma and how it unfolds and how it's interpreted also has to take into account your individual personal factors, right? So what things you've seen in the past, what things you've experienced in the past, whether you have consciously Um, had some closure and symptom relief from those experiences, whether you've experienced growth from those experiences or whether you've shoved it down in a box and not dealt with it. So there's, you know, a huge array of reactions that can happen to something that is traumatic. It's a matter of whether it seems traumatic to you. But as I said, there's um, caveats to that. So vicarious trauma, there's no, you know, trophy I suppose for having attended X number of births and being completely unaffected by it. You know, the goal, I would hope, in any of the caring professions, any of the helping professions, shouldn't be oh, I'm the toughest, I'm the bravest, I've seen the most emergency C sections and the most maternal death and I'm strong and I'm capable. Like it shouldn't be this competition. All about collaboration and shared experience and improving you know birth culture and improving outcomes by allowing that humanity in and not creating a system of robots who are no longer going to respond to things in a human way, which is not to say that if you feel like you 're coping really well with things that you see and it doesn't affect you that that 's not okay. I'm just saying for the majority of people, if you're having traumatic reactions to something, that's quite a normal response. It's a normal reaction to an abnormal situation, potentially, not you having an abnormal reaction to a normal situation, if that makes sense without, like, please don't get too excited about my use of the term normal, because what the hell is a normal birth, right? But um, what I'm saying is in the extreme circumstances that so many people are dealing with, or at least, you know, from the perspective of all the intervention and all the use of terrible language and all the bickering that goes on between staff and, you know, people just not collaborating and supporting each other, that kind of stuff. um, Yeah, it all links back to an individual response as to whether you're feeling traumatised or not. So... The consequences of birth trauma like there's negative and there's positive and we tend to focus more on the negative ones you know things like future decisions about whether to have more babies or not feelings of isolation and anger loss of control feelings of low self-worth um things like Impacting on you know breastfeeding and bonding and physical and ugh, emotional and spiritual recovery. So these are things that are, I guess, I'm outlining for people who have given birth. But because of that vicarious nature of it, this can also have an impact on your own journey. Of course, relationship issues, trust issues, retriggering of things that have already happened, and I guess this um, ongoing storytelling culture. That we have where birth is bad and dangerous and, you know, how back, how far back you want to go to the Adam and Eve kind of stuff of this is just the curse, you know, it's meant to be painful, it's meant to be horrific, this is just the way it's meant to be for women. So all that kind of stuff and then, you know, more women fear birth and there's increased intervention rates and all sorts of things happening. So we know about most of the negative stuff. And of course for people working, you know, things like the compassion fatigue, the burnout, the feeling really jaded and really, really angry at the system and overestimating or underestimating risk. So, you know, that, um, you know, same tree, same street, same thing that your brain will do unless you sort of go, oh, no, hang on, this is a different woman, a different baby, a different birth. So impaired decision-making potentially, Um, you know, impoverished communication. I was reading something just today actually about um, the bullying that goes on in not just nursing culture but this article in particular was talking about nursing culture where 85% of nurses have been bullied by another nurse. And it's just this almost like indoctrinated culture sometimes that happens where up-and-coming nurses and midwives are not getting that support and collaboration and assistance from some of the ones who've been around a bit longer and like this is not a taking sides kind of thing it's just a let's just talk about occupational stress and workplace interpersonal aggression that is again so rife in the helping professions this is this other thing that goes unspoken about that when you've got a culture of colleagues who are in a scarcity mindset they're stressed they're traumatised, they're not willing to teach the next generation, they almost want them to figure it out for themselves because they had to figure it out for themselves. There's all this sort of stuff that goes on in the background and, of course, what this then contributes to is, you know, patients lying there, potentially, let's say, waiting for pain relief, waiting for, you know, support and assistance longer than they need to because of workplace interpersonal aggression stuff that's happening in the background and sometimes it's not happening in the background sometimes it's happening in front of the patients um I've been there so look there's a lot of things that contribute to this um why do we need birth culture to be better we need it to be better not just for the birthing women but we need it for occupational stress you know for Outcomes where we are not having nurses, midwives, people in the medical professional, um, you know, jobs, I suppose, who have an early exit because A, there's traumatic birth, B, they're not feeling supported at work, C, they're overworked and underpaid, and D, feeling, you know, all the things that is happening in their life outside of work, that all contributes to people feeling pretty crappy and then making decisions for themselves and other people that aren't necessarily as clear-headed as they might be so there's all that kind of stuff that goes on but then I wanted to talk a bit about some of the positive things that can actually happen and again my spin on this finding the positives is not about going oh well this needed to happen so that you could learn some meaning from it I just think trauma is a good teacher and I I think it's you know inevitable in some circumstances so we've got to look at what's the well, what's the meaning in this how do I find the you know way out of it way through it but finding something that actually we need to not just focus on the negatives all the time because if all we do is vent and focus on the negatives then we're not going to see any progress so thinking about things like resilience, improved coping, you know, how many birthing people have you talked to who have had these births where they're like, geez, that was intense, it was out of this world, but I didn't know I could do that, like my body is amazing and so then you get the flow on effect of, um, you know, people feeling closer to their partner because they feel in awe of watching this amazing birthing body and mind working together so beautifully And, you know, all the feelings of increased confidence and a sense of bravery and accomplishment. And I think for some people who get through birth trauma as well, whether it's been their own personal birth trauma or whether it's been through work, there is this, at least the people I like to work with, there is a desire to put your middle finger up at the system and go, do you know what? We're not fucking broken. You're not going to break us, okay? Okay. Yes, we have shitty, shitty birth systems at the moment, but this isn't going to break us. We're actually going to get stronger from this. We're going to rally together. We're going to do something about it. So that sense of um, power and wanting to not be a victim and sit back and go, well, this is just the way it is. I'm sorry. This is just the way it's going to have to be for future generations. Nah, bullshit. So I'm going on a bit of a tangent. Let me pull myself back. (laughs) Anyway, so look, things like your previous anxieties and your difficulties kind of fade into the background. So potentially, you know, you think about that five-year, ten-year rule, you know. Sometimes I will say to clients, tell me what you were worried on, about, on, and you just choose a day, choose a time, choose a month, And usually, they've got no idea. So you can apply the same... Um, reasoning logic, if you like, to that thing of the thing that we are stressing about so much right now in our own personal life is potentially not going to be as significant in some future period of time, right? And so going through something major like getting through a traumatic birth and supporting people through a traumatic birth has the potential to go, oh, you know, that stuff with my mother-in-law, oh, you know, that stuff with Um, you know, school issues or whatever, like it sort of just fades into the background, potentially. That's a potential outcome. I'm not saying that's how it is for everybody. But also, you know, the desire to share this knowledge with other people and improve birth outcomes. As I said at the start of my introduction for this podcast, one of the biggest, biggest outcomes for me with my own personal birth trauma story was going, yep, okay, that has propelled me to do something, to do something to support the supporters because I know having had great support through my birth, it would have been so different had I had crappy support. So I know that that makes all the world of difference. So that um, for me, yeah, it was a huge propelling factor in like, you know, how do I take something out of this and make meaning from it? Um, so there's the potential to do something with it is there without having to do the oh I had to go through this in order for this to happen no it doesn't have to be like that but again this improvement in storytelling so not every story that we hear about you know whatever circumstances around whatever hospital intervention might be it gets to change because we keep telling stories that are different to the ones that we expect so when you're doing this sort of stuff with um, clients, like, or even with yourself, finding the positives has to be something that is personal that you do for yourself. It's not about me or someone else sitting down, you know, day two after giving birth or, you know, watching something traumatic happening and going, oh, I think it's the positives. Like, just be positive. No, it absolutely has to be your own journey to find them when and if you are ready to find them and your positives for you aren't necessarily going to be positives for someone else. And some people sit for a long time going, do you know what? I don't find any fucking positives from this experience. And that's okay too. That's what growth is about. There's no timing on it. There's no time limit. There's no you absolutely have to do this or you're not going to you know, have a good life or feel better or anything like that. It's a very, very, very personal thing. So just as much as the interpretation of a traumatic event is personal, so is the interpretation of what's going to propel my growth from this. Um, so don't see it, like please don't see it as a prematurely dismissive thing um, and none of that like, oh, at least you got a healthy baby or but or at least or just all those dismissive phrases, you're just planting the seed for yourself or someone else that a potential outcome of this at some stage might be post-traumatic growth. That's all. So it's um, hopefully given you a little bit of insight so far as to the kind of stuff that I'm talking about in terms of... um, You know, how are we describing trauma? How are we talking about it? So I suppose um, it's then useful potentially to think about when you have, I suppose, a formal diagnosis of PTSD. Again, that's coming from directly experiencing the event, witnessing it or learning about it. Um, And it can be through, as I said, repeated, ongoing, extreme exposure. Um, but if that exposure is through electronic media, that's no longer something that's admissible unless it's, as I said, work-related. Um, and that's all the guidelines really that were given. So it is a bit of a like, well, what does that mean? But, um, I think for uh, thinking about your own development, I guess, and how you want to tackle this. It's kind of worth, I always encourage people to start thinking about your own reactions and how you might be feeling. So not necessarily looking at, "Hmm, do you have a diagnosis of PTSD or not from work, but doing some of those thinkings about what your own early memories of learning about birth were. So what do you first remember about what is birth? What's it like? What's it about? Is it a positive thing? Is it a negative thing? Is it a neutral thing? What were the emotions and the language and the depictions and descriptions that were used? And have you got, you know, specific memories of TV shows or movies or anything that you watched as a young person that have informed your view of birth? So you start to see how all these things build up to how you're going to cope with certain aspects of birth and what you've told yourself about it previously. Um, And, you know, have your views of birth changed. It might be the opposite. It might be that you're someone really passionate and full of positivity and then you've gone to work for like a large hospital or something and you've just seen and heard lots of things that can't be unseen and unheard and has that informed your journey on doing birth work or not. So in terms of the PTSD and whether you've got it or not, that's not necessarily for me to sit and diagnose that for you right now. But you can be thinking about all those things like when you're talking about things like this, when you're thinking about it, are you, are you having physical bodily reactions? Are you getting shaky and sweaty and feeling panicky, um, feeling sick in your stomach, running off to the toilet? Do you do things like avoid certain places? Certain people, certain stimuli. Are you jumpy? Are you on edge? Are you angry? A lot. Um, that's a huge, huge, huge part of trauma that is talked about a little bit more um in terms of the combat research with men typically who've been to war. This big, big, big thing about anger and what's underneath the anger. But also, you know, the nightmares. The flashbacks, the inability to turn off, um, the numbing that's given a bit less attention now than it was in previous decades, but all those kinds of bodily um, and psychological things that come up, you know, you can have some symptoms and not have a full-blown diagnosis. Of course you can. Um, and as I said, like everybody's got trauma, <laughs> whether they are immediately consciously aware of it or not it's a matter of how you are allowing it in if it's there rather than are you doing that thing that everybody does where we kind of did oh, I don't want to think about that shouldn't be thinking about that must not think about that and like kind of squash it down like the pink elephant or the white bear whatever analogy you like to use from that um stuff in psychology where we say, okay, if I tell you not to think about a pink elephant, whatever you do, don't think about pink elephant. Think about anything other than pink elephant like most people are going to think about the pink elephant. So a huge thing with trauma is being able to allow your body and your mind to sit with it and know that you're actually safe and that you are not back in the moment where your brain is taking you to. And that takes work but um yeah trauma is a huge, 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 huge thing for a lot of people that gets diagnosed as other things potentially. Um so, you know, a big one, of course, for our birthing women, you know, after giving birth is um being diagnosed with postnatal depression or maybe anxiety and nobody actually asked about trauma, asked about the birth, asked about anything that happened in the context before that, because we expect People to tell us information that don't want to tell anybody. These are your deep, dark secrets, particularly if it's to do with previous trauma around things that have happened in childhood and um, things that have happened to your body and all those sorts of things. So, lots and lots and lots of things to think about, lots and lots of things to unpack. This is just my, as I said, introductory kind of check in to what is vicarious trauma, what are we talking about, what are we mainly. Um, discussing if it's not something that's familiar to you so hopefully that clears some of this up we will um obviously keep coming back to some of these terms and things as we go but that's my take on it for now